Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy a good conversation about love, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over, and probably also listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. My guest today was such an exciting guest. I happened to meet her at an event that I went to this last week, and I don't know if you've pulled it out of my episodes so far, but I've got quite a lot of gumption. So I just walked up to this woman that I decided I wanted to interview and said, would you please be on my podcast? And she so graciously agreed to. Shelby Simpson is from Oklahoma. And after graduating college, she traveled the world for 10 years. And now she's an author. She's written two books. And her second book was called We're All Bad in Bed. She did a really exciting book tour. And that's where I got to meet her. When we got together, we talked about her journey to becoming an author, her travels around the world, why women talk about our embarrassing sex stories, but men don't. Um, how it's okay for grown-ass women to talk about sex and how she's now been invited to sex talks where people actually talk about things like dildos on a stick or how to have their first three-way. Shelby has really learned to embrace what she brings people, which is freedom and empowerment. And we really bonded over our love of hip-hop and Doritos, so we're basically BFFs now. So enjoy this episode. Today's episode is interesting because it's my first out-of-town guest. Most of my guests on the podcast so far have been Kansas City locals who are involved in something to do with human sexuality, healing, energy, all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. my guest today is Shelby Simpson. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Kristen. I'm honored. I'm so excited to have you here. Yay! I went and saw Shelby's live show on Thursday night called Bad in Bed Live. Mm-hmm. It was funny because when I showed up, one of my friends, Lauren, was already there and she introduced me to a few people and she said, of all the people in the audience that should be here, it is her because <laughs> she's a sex coach. And they were right? like, what? Nice to meet you. Yes, you do belong here. But awesome. Yes, it was a wonderful night. And I, was, I wanted to have you on here to talk a little bit more about not just bad in bed live but also your book we're all bad in bed thank you so much yeah it's been a crazy journey taking this book to stage definitely it's it's created pathways that I did not anticipate yeah but that I'm loving I'm anybody that's out there talking about sex trying to make it a more sex positive world and just have a good laugh right about all of our fuck ups. Right. Right. <laughs> I knew I would want to have you ever have a conversation and then we're going to, we're going to be friends. Totally. Yeah. But that, that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. I mean, your, your book is called again, we're all bad in bed, mm-hmm. but you're doing a book tour right now mm-hmm. that has this fantastic live stage show along with it. So I, I first, I want to know a little bit more about you have, this is your second book. It is. So what led you down the path of sharing all these fantastic yet sometimes tragically bad sex stories in book form. Right. I, so I've always wanted to be a writer since I was a child and I just didn't know how to finish books. I started books from the time I was probably 10, 
I've been starting books and not finishing them. Mm -hmm. And then finally, very late in life. So in 2013, I decided that I needed to be taught. And I also wanted my master's degree. And so they just worked together. And I found a program at the University of Oklahoma that's one of the top in the nation for Mm -hmm. fiction writing. And fiction is my first love. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I just returned from like a decade overseas of living in different cultures and did not mean to come back to the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, New, Ze- New Zealand is my second home. And so my mom needed like help. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. And she's in Oklahoma. And I said, one year, I'll give you one year. But when I came back, that's kind of when I started thinking about my art. And then I found that program at OU and I thought I should do this. This is my time because my mom still needs me here mm-hmm. and I'll just do it. And that program changed my life. Because it was two years straight of being around other writers and studying the art of writing. And instead of a thesis, you turn in your book. Oh, yeah. So I was forced, which I'm really good (laughs) when I'm forced to do shit. Right. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot of tricks to the trade. Mm -hmm. And that's all I needed. And that now I'm putting more tools into my belt. But those initial tools were enough to teach me how to finish a book. So I finished one while I was there, but the thing was, instead of fiction, I was already wanting to write narrative nonfiction mm-hmm. because I'd been traveling and I wanted to help other people who wanted to travel the world to see how they could do that through story, mm-hmm. not through how to, but through story so that hopefully the motivation is what they get out of my books. Yeah. But I'm a humorist. So I could tell. <laughs> oh my God. And, <laughs> right. and you, like, yeah, listeners, you'll be able to tell that really quickly too. Yeah. Right. And so my mentors as they were reading my book at OU and my peers, they would always say, man, I left out loud during this book and that's rare. So you've got that going. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I knew that I had that in me anyway. It's just kind of a personality trait for me that carries worldwide, actually. Uh, I knew my sense of humor was good here in the United States, but I didn't know elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But it transferred. So anyway, yeah. I knew that I had that going for me. And uh, when you can make people laugh, it ingratiates you to them very quickly. They're just very, like, drawn into you, yeah. even from other cultures. Yeah, yeah, that's it's true. Yeah. And just, I'm kind of bubbly. And uh, so anyway, I wrote Good Globe, and, and you are supposed to, one of the huge lessons we taught, we were taught was that to build your audience, you have to stay in your lane mm-hmm. for a few years or a few books so that people know what they're going to get out of you. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Like Stephen King being a horror writer. Mm-hmm. You you know what you're in for. And people get disappointed when you when you veer outside your lane. Ah, uh-huh. So I was supposed to stay in the travel realm, and I am. I'm working on the second book. It's a three-part series, my travel book series. But um, the day of graduation. Mm-hmm. My mom came over to the graduation. She was staying at my house. And my boyfriend, my current boyfriend, Chad, he's my life partner. Mm-hmm. We had a, a good morning quickie. And I fucked that up in the worst way that I was so horrified. And at 38 years old, I was 39, actually. 38 or 39. But anyway, I thought I was done messing up stuff in the bedroom. And I was not. And I was so embarrassed by this. And it involved my mom. That's all I'm going to tell you. Okay. But <laughs> is it in the book? It is. Yes. <laughs> is that I, the resolution of the first chapter? Uh-huh. Okay. Because you left it on such a clipper. I was like, I want to just flip through and find out where the answer to the uh, story is. Okay. That's at the end. Right. All right. All right. All right. Good. I'll hold so, on. I'll wait. Yeah. So 
I was so embarrassed and then also found it hysterical. Like, I can't believe I fucking did this Mm -hmm. and went back and started talking to my girlfriends about it. And it just started conversations that we've been having anyway, Mm -hmm. like for years. And so I decided to just gather the best, the greatest hits of our bedroom fuck ups and put them in a book. I love it. Because I felt like it. That's the bottom line, honestly, was that this was just about writing more humor-based stories that are true. And then when I came out with it, though, I got nervous. Mm -hmm. Because I am living in Oklahoma for the moment. And it's conservative. Mm -hmm. And I was releasing my... not much different, unfortunately. Right? And they're my true stories. Mm -hmm. So that's different, too. It's one thing to tell true stories that aren't that um, personal. And it's completely Someone different. Someone else's true story. Yeah. Where it's kind of through a different lens, but your own true right. story. But even mine, like I don't consider my travel stories personal. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I would tell anybody a stranger about what went down in Bolivia or what went down anywhere. Mm-hmm. But would I tell just some stranger on the street about what I just did in the bedroom last night? Probably not, you know? Right. So that was different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my whole goal was to make people laugh. That was the whole fucking goal. Yeah. And so the only reason I took... <laughs> We're all bad in bed to stage instead of Good Globe was because I thought sex would make people laugh harder. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. But it coincided with women's voices getting louder. Mm -hmm. So all of these things started happening worldwide. Uh, That made it easier for me to step onto the stage and say these things. Mm -hmm. And then also, like I was just saying earlier, it turns out. The word empowering gets used a lot by women that stay after the show to talk to me. And I'm always still just shocked about it because, like I said, I was just trying to write something funny. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot of thank yous. Thank you so much. I needed that. I needed to feel better. I needed to loosen up on my sexuality. I was feeling locked in. So, Mm -hmm. So what a great side effect. Absolutely. Yeah. When people can share or hear someone else's story, it makes it easier for them to share, mm-hmm. you know, and to be like, wow, I'm not the only person that did that. I'm the al- not the only person that yeah. queefed for 17 seconds. <laughs> and they want to talk about it. That <laughs> right? was the thing when I said that I was writing or that I had a book out about sex. That's what I always say. I've got a sex book. Mm-hmm. A lot of the reaction was, oh, yeah, pretty flat, if not kind of questioning Mm -hmm. but then when I would say it's about embarrassing um, and funny sexual moments they would all literally worldwide be like oh oh I've got a story for you Uh and so this was yeah everyone from my friend's parents to just random people in their 70s on the street to to people in their 20s strangers friends didn't matter they wanted to talk all of a sudden so there's something about humor that unlocks, I think, people people that are nervous mm-hmm. about talking about their sexuality but that want to and don't know how. Comedy is the bridge. That's the, I guess, all they need to yeah. start talking. Absolutely. And I didn't know that. <laughs> and laughing at your fuck-ups is kind of the only way to let it go sometimes. Right? Right? Dang. I mean, I you talk about you know these stories or things you were already sharing with your girlfriends. Uh-huh. And I have told some of my male friends... The stories we tell each other would make you fucking die. Right. Because we get into amazing amount of detail right. about every little last thing. 
and we are dirtier right sharing our sex stories with our friends oh, than dude. i bet any guy is in any locker room no and i have found when i've been asking but men, in such it a turns good way. out it turns out they only talk about for the most part now this is kind of a blanket statement but for most of the men i've talked to and i hang out with a bunch of dudes mm-hmm. they say uh we don't talk about when we fuck up in bed no of course not <laughs> they're only talking about right. like the good stuff right the conquest yes right. F- you know like Hell yes. So sure, we're sharing those stories with our girlfriends too. But yeah. So they don't even get into that. But chicks do. Mm -hmm. And we know when they fuck up. Mm -hmm. And so they think, yeah, that I guess they probably just perceive our conversations to be similar to theirs in no fucking way. Women are way dirtier. And I actually think way hornier a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hey. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Right now. So you... In your show, and uh-huh. even in the beginning of your book, you bring up something that's I face a lot as well, which is the question of, what are your parents going to think? What's your dad going to think? Right. Because a woman out there in public talking about human sexuality right. and what she's done in the bedroom, right? that's so taboo for your parents to hear about mm, that. Mm, what a slut. Right? What a whore. Drives whore me face. fucking crazy. Dirty, dirty whore face. Drives me fucking crazy. Yeah. And so that was asked. I was literally in a gym in Oklahoma City and working out with my friend and this other woman who'd become an acquaintance because it's a group workout Mm -hmm. was asking about the topic of my book. And I told her embarrassing sexual moments and she asked me what my dad thought about it. And it totally spun me out. And it made me, yeah, feel bad for a few minutes and then it pissed me off. Mm -hmm. And I fire. Yeah. Like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Why are you asking me that? I'm a grown-ass woman, and even if I weren't, why the fuck are you asking me that? Yeah. What a weird question. Do you ask men that? Of course not. No. Of course not. No. And so I, I'm i not real close to my dad, and so I hadn't really cared about mm-hmm. what he thought. Mm-hmm. But he is my dad. And so when that question was posed to me, and I went home and marinated in it, basically, I, I decided that... I would tell him that I wrote this book and that was it. And I would tell him, actually, I didn't recommend he read it because I felt like that was, I'm not real, I don't talk to my dad about my sexual life. I talk to my mom about it. Mm-hmm. Same. But I don't care if he reads it. So in the end, like, he can read it. Mm-hmm. It's right there. I was just like, I don't think you'll like it because <laughs> it's <laughs> right? kind of weird to have your dad read about your sex conquests. Yeah. But then again, if you want to read it, fucking read it. I don't care. I have my content out there. My parents know how to get to my website. My dad knows yeah. how to listen to my podcast. Like the very first podcast I was ever on that he listened to was a show called Must Love Fetish. Nice. Let's and I was talking horrified. about like, oh God, I was talking about going to BDSM bar in West Hollywood, <laughs> getting like spanked by a former porn star there <laughs> who I'm friends with. Um, God, and what else? Oh, and, and your doing dad the first threesome. Okay. And like, that's kind of how I came out as being bisexual. Okay. And I was like, hey, did you listen to it? He's like, yep. Yep. I'm like, did you have mom listen to it? He's like, mm, I don't think, I don't think she should listen to it. So for you, that. it's your mom who's more conservative and would be hurt by it. It. They have this weird, like, cross judgment of each other. They always think the other person's not going to be okay with something. Right. And then they're fine with it. Oh, how funny. She didn't want me to tell my dad about my first tattoo. And then when he saw it years later, he's like, oh, okay. And she's like, that's it? That's all? <laughs> I told her you would disown her. Basically. Yeah. And so 
Uh, it did so your, my, my did, has your so mom listen to your work? I got her to listen to my podcast because I put it on while I was driving in a vehicle with her on a three hour drive. Oh, you wanted her to hear it. I did because it was kind of like the way that I wanted to be like, all right, let's test these waters. So let's see what you think here because this is like Sweet. my first big thing of putting myself out there after I started this business. Uh-huh. And... Because I told her, like, I want to build an empire. I want to have a podcast or a radio right. show. I want to write books. You're going to have to get used to this. I want to have a TED Talk. Mm. Like, I'm going to, I want to be the next Dr. Ruth if I can. Yeah, fuck yeah. That's awesome. And see, I would too. I would probably take that route if I knew I was, I'm not going to stay in the sex realm. The thing mm-hmm. is, I'm just narrative nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And so I may write another sex book. I think it'd be interesting to do guys mm-hmm. because this is mainly women. And like um, you say, if they're not willing to share with their friends, right. maybe they would talk to someone and tell their stories to an author that can then put it out there for them. Right. You know, right. Put it in the ether without uh, it being about them. That's right. So yeah, less about their conquest and more about their fuck ups and like mm-hmm. their insecurities. I think that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, but right now it's not in my next set of three books, I would say. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of different. I would say f- for where you're going and where I'm going was that it, for me, it was just this fun throw in book that I was just like, Oh, these are great stories and I want to write this. So it was just out of how I felt. Mm-hmm. And, but I want, I like my parents to read my work. Yeah. So I was never going to hide it from them or ban them from it. I didn't make it the suggestion. Like I said to my dad of like, you probably don't want to read it, but you can. Mm-hmm. And his reaction was just a, a an eye roll. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, <sighs> you know, huh? of course you write about sex. Because uh. he's used to me, I would say, rebelling ah. my mm-hmm. entire life anyway. So everything yeah. I do, he's just like par for the course, you know. Uh, and my mom is just proud of me. And so she loved it. And I did give her the book first. And she, her comment was that I just sounded horny. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I it's love a it. good I book. But you do sound, sound horny. horny. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's because I fucking am. Right? Yeah. So, Because you're a human being, and that's sex is just supposed to be part right. of life. Right. Yeah. And I am, uh, I think, hornier uh, than the average bear. <laughs> or maybe not, but I sure do seem to be. Maybe you're just at the level everyone should be at. Maybe. That's kind of how, because people tell me that, too. I just be yeah. like, no, I feel like everyone should always be this turned on and masturbate two or right. three times a day. And right. Yeah, so I have a collection of sex toys to, to choose from when you do it, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah. And you know what, though, is really funny. Um, a, another side effect is that people invite me to talk about sex. And I'm always like, well, I'm not a sex expert. Do you know that? And they say, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I got invited in Denver to, uh, so we just were in Denver before Kansas City. Uh-huh. Uh, they were alternative lifestyle group. Okay. And I walk in, and it's about 30 people deep, and I guess they meet every Saturday Mm -hmm. to just have sex-positive conversations. And so this one was about how to have a successful threesome, Mm -hmm. followed by toy safety. So when I walked Uh in, there were uh, a couple on stage, and the woman was saying, now when you've got two pussies in front of you, and you've got the toy in one, and you've got the condom on it, when you take it out, now remember... You're going to change that condom out because you might forget you're in the moment. So before you put in the other pussy, and I was like, well, this is a good conversation. Terrific conversation. Right. And well needed. And everyone's Uh like taking notes. And the the diversity of the audience was crazy. And then she moves on to say that she'd always wanted to try. They were talking about toys and she talked about um, double penetration. Mm Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, I've always wanted to do it. I'm just not good at it. I haven't figured out the angle yet. And she was at an orgy, a 
And so she's telling this story that she's in Denver at a house that's hosting an orgy. Uh-huh. And she's in a, one of the bedrooms and there are like, I don't know, eight people in there. And so she just announces while they're all taking a break, like lounging. I picture them eating grapes for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, uh, I want to try double penetration because I just haven't made it successful. And she said like three guys are like, yep, yep. Like raise their hand immediately. Yeah, we'll get down on this. So they start trying, but it's not working. Mm-hmm. And she said, so it became more of a science project, that it was a very happy one, that everyone is gathered around, talking her through it. And she said it was going well until uh, she got to laughing because she looked up and some guy had left the room and come back with a dildo on a stick. (laughs) 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 That he was putting in her, I guess, in her butt, like Uh trying to get the right angle. So that's what he thought, that Uh. he he needed a dildo on a stick to get the right angle. Oh, my God. And she asked him, do you have a dildo on a stick? dick that you're putting up my butt and he's like I do now how does that feel is it like the right angle now and she's like yeah I think we're gonna have to quit yeah <laughs> took her out of the moment completely oh god so so these interesting things are happening to mm-hmm. me you know along with other like you being like will you come and talk yeah and I love it and and I embrace the fact that it turns out I'm helping to free people mm-hmm. absolutely yeah absolutely. And just as an author, I admire you too, because I want to write books. I'm not sure exactly where I want to go yet, but I did uh, go to a romance writers conference a couple of weeks ago that was here in town. There's apparently a huge romance writers um, group here in town. Kansas City. Yeah. How'd it go? It was great. And so not only did I get to meet some really cool authors, but I felt really inspired to just get writing. That's right. Just sitting down and doing my 500 words a day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And right now I am documenting some of my sexcapades too. See? I think I want to pull them together though into like a fictionalized story. Just uh-huh. kind of using the details of what happened mm-hmm. as the erotic great. part. Mm-hmm. You know, but not, I don't know. But so that's and erotica is great. Yes, it is. But that's something I'm curious about because, mm-hmm. like, in your beginning of your book, I'm just going to pull your book open sure, here sure. real quick and read this because this is something I'm kind of struggling with as I'm thinking about this. But so, in her author's notes, she wrote, um, and events in this book may be out of sequence. Many conversations were recreated and names changed. It's written from my perspective as a flawed human learner and lover. It is drawn from my memory and the memory of certain others who shared their experiences. They may tell the tales differently, but all the tales are true. So that's something that I kind of struggle with is the putting down experiences, mm-hmm. but then the, the worry or the fear of what if someone reads this and has a negative reaction, like they know it's them mm-hmm. or all that, like, that's what I struggle with. So mm, they did will. you ever kind of... Well, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what first off, like the internal struggle, but then did you ever have anybody reach out and say, like, hey, mm-hmm. that was me? Mm-hmm. Well, they knew. So the people that I interviewed for this straight up knew that okay. it was going in the books. So they weren't nervous about that. And I changed their name. But is it changed enough? Probably not. <laughs> Anyone else who knows the story is Like gonna, your friends would know. That's right. Yeah. Fr- yeah. Friends. Which I expect that. My friends would pre- maybe read some of this and be like, oh, yeah, I know. Right. But even some of the interviews, because I was drunk during some of them, that they're like, well, you didn't, you kind of messed up on this part. And I was like, oh, my bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. because any story is an interpretation. Mm-hmm. But they all, they all are true, but they would be told differently. Because plus other people are going to choose different words. And so in the end, I think because it's art, I haven't experienced any anger yet. And because I've changed the names enough and they were willing to put these stories out, 
no one was fucked off. Mm-hmm. I think if I'd used some random story that they knew it was them and they did not want it released, that we might be having a different conversation right now. Mm-hmm. But I did want to protect people. And I don't want to anger anyone. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much everyone in your books. Like, did you interview everybody or get everyone's kind of approval? Uh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Which is what I like to do. Yeah. Because plus I want to be refreshed. I want to hear their words because it makes the dialogue saucier to mm-hmm. sound like them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I could change up the dialogue myself. I'm trained in doing that, but I prefer to use them. Yeah. So. And that's where I. That's what I guess maybe why I lean towards doing a, a fictionalized right. story. Because mm-hmm. then it's the, some of them it's like, oh, I don't even know how to get all of that <laughs> at this point. Right. Uh, I'd let say me see just if I can change find it on social media. Change it enough. Yeah. Yeah. Then only the people who know will know. Mm-hmm. But you're safe that way. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Do you find that a lot of people are intimidated by you or, I mean, basically just scared? shitless of your authenticity because man you just ooze like being who you are i do oh absolutely i think you okay do. good yeah i yeah thank you you can't get up on stage and say what you said and write what you've written if you're not being authentically yourself i don't think it's true my cast actually has commented on that that they're like it's just you because like i guess i am the same everywhere good. so off stage when I'm dealing with them yeah and when we go out when I'm dealing with them and when we're training how I'm dealing with them and when I'm telling my stories how I tell them and mm-hmm. how I'm dealing with them I guess it's very clear who I am mm-hmm. and no weirdly enough I would guess anyone who doesn't like me must exit s- just stage out the building left, yeah. yes stage left like fuck, <laughs> you know or early in the show they must exit Cause I definitely have people who don't get on board with my writing or with me, mm-hmm. but I'm not offended by it because they're just not my audience. And I, I have my audience. So I get asked this a lot yeah. by people like, are people really intimidated by you and what you do and, and what you talk about and what you write about and the content you create? Yeah. And I'm like, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Do they treat you like that? Like they're scared to come up and talk to you. I can, I guess I kind of, there are definitely people. I do a lot of in-person networking. All right. Um, and yeah, there are definitely times where I'm like, I'm a relationship dating and sex coach. And I'm like, <clears throat> sorry, what? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I or, could see that as far, I think because again, cause it's comedy. People aren't scared to talk to me cause it's comedy. Mm-hmm. When, when things get serious, I think intimidation starts or they, they put the intimidation on themselves. I don't think you seem intimidating, but thank you. <laughs> Cause yeah, I do try to use a lot of humor when I'm talking about sex. I mean, yeah, yeah sex can get pretty serious pretty fast when you're talking about, yeah, you know, some of the consequences that can come along with it. Right. But or man, it can be trauma. A, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But man, it can be a lot of fun too. Right. Yeah. So I think for me, because of the way that I've already hung myself out, for everyone to stare out for mm-hmm. an hour and a half and talked about my true stories that they must, and they're having a good laugh with me. They're just like, oh, mm-hmm. she's just a human. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was the, what was the kind of the impetus between taking a book tour and making mm-hmm. it into more of a like stage show? Like, was that your idea? Or did like that no. kind of just evolve? It like, evolved. what was that like? 
So one of my greatest friends in the world is in New Zealand. Well, that's my whole second life is over there. So mm -hmm. I consider them my family. But one of my family members over there, her name is Briah, and she is one of those artists that other artists envy, mm. that just oozes originality and artistic vision, and mm -hmm. she can't help it. It's just who the fuck she is, right? And she's funny. And I was over, I try to go back annually. And this was right after I'd written and released We're All Bad in Bed. Mm -hmm. And she asked me how book sales were going. And I was like, well, they're pretty shit, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because I've chosen to self-publish on purpose because I wanted to keep the rights to my books mm -hmm. and explore how I would go that way. And so I am having to do my own marketing. Mm -hmm. And I fucking suck at it. <laughs> That's the thing for a lot of people when they find their thing, uh, it doesn't make them a good entrepreneur. It doesn't make them good at no. marketing. It doesn't make them good at getting out and getting butts in the seats or right. books in hands. So Right. Yeah. And I hate it. Mm -hmm. And I hate social media. I have a presence <laughs> on there. I just uh -huh. don't like it. Yeah. I'm barely on there. And so all these things are problematic when you're trying to sell something. Mm -hmm. And my first book won three awards. And it was like one of the best books that no one's ever read. Literally, I would meet strangers who picked it up and they're like, that book, oh my God. And, but you know, a handful of people knew about it. Mm -hmm. And then same thing with We're All Bad in Bed. They loved it. Definitely that was a more niche audience, but people that loved it, loved it. Mm -hmm. And so when I was having this conversation with Brian of like, well, you know, they could be fucking better. And she said, babe, have you thought about getting in front of people? Oh God, I love, I love your invitation because I love <laughs> accents. And my first obsession was with my tennis instructor, Pete, that was from Australia. So please, I mean, right. New Zealand's close <laughs> enough. Keep so going, please keep, keep going. going. The one's hard. Uh, yeah. I have a bunch of uhs and e's that are difficult. But anyway, uh, and I laughed at her because I was like, like, I'm going to go talk about crooked dicks and Barnes and Noble. <laughs> like, okay, you know? Yeah, right. And plus it just seems stodgy to me and boring of like, it's not my fucking steez. Mm -hmm. But the seed was planted. I went away and for my birthday, Chad bought me tickets. David Sedaris is one of my heroes. Uh -huh. Do you read David yeah. Sedaris? Yeah. yeah. We went to go see one of his book readings. Mm -hmm. Have you been to his book I'm readings? Not. Mm. I'd love to. So that motherfucker. So <laughs> he, uh, instead of a bookstore, it's in an auditorium. Uh-huh. So this was at a university and it was like 1,500 seats he'd sold out. And it's him behind a podium, velvet curtain, reading, not his book. So reading notes, reading excerpts from other shit he'd written, you know, some essays, blah, blah, blah. And then he would bridge it to a page out of the book that he was promoting. Mm -hmm. So it was like an hour to two hours of like stand-up comedy being read. Like a TED Talk meets, I don't know, a, I don't know. It was all crazy. <laughs> and it was magnificent. And, well, and he's just so out there. He's so unique. out there. So yeah. I'm sure whatever he did was. But it's like very little. Not what even you expected. I, not even in, eye right? contact. And uh -huh. yet it was so endearing. Uh -huh. And that I left there unlocked. But still like just wow, that was crazy. That wasn't that wasn't the book reading I expected. Because mm -hmm. I literally thought it'd be like chapter one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh -huh. And then they read for as long as they need to read. Uh, cause I, I guess that's all the book readings I've been to are like that. And then a few months later I saw, um, Anthony Bourdain mm. oh. and uh, 
Uh-huh. And same place. So he'd sold out as well. But the difference was with him that instead of just the velvet curtain behind him, he had a giant screen that he flipped through travel photos. Oh, mm-hmm. That changed everything for me. So when I left there, I was like, oh, my God, I, it's so unlike me to follow tradition. Mm-hmm. And yet there I was thinking, I think because I respect the writing world so much and endear it, I just I felt like I had to honor it in the way it's always been honored, mm-hmm. which is bullshit. Yeah, I can honor it just by storytelling. And so I went away and I wrote what I wanted to see, mm-hmm. how I would be entertained. And because I like quotes. And so I'd started Good Globe with quotes from people I admire. Um, but we're all bad in bed. I started with lyrics from the music I grew up bumping. Same here. <laughs> I am such a '90s hip hop fan. You are. And so when I started, you know, I heard in the, uh, the promo and stuff, it was going to be a lot of that. And uh, then, you know, as the show's going, I'm in. I was in bed oh, dancing fuck and singing yeah. along with it. I don't know if you noticed my personal Instagram handle. It's so fresh and so KT. Oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. So see, so yeah. I love him. I was raised by like DJ Quick and E40, Snoop, NWA. Ice Cube, Dre, and yes. WA, Tupac, and some like Tupac. cerebral hip hop mm-hmm. like De La Soul. Yes. Wu-Tang's a little more cerebral. I like Mm -hmm. West Coast. So anyway, and some Florida booty, two life crew. Mm -hmm. And Tribe. Tribe. So all of these, yeah. That was the first, one of the first albums that made me go like, I like butts. Was (laughs) the two life crew one with all those bikini butts. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And that's why I had to pop that pussy. It's just one of my favorite. (laughs) Give me that nuts. One of my favorite songs ever. Just wrap it up though. Yeah. So I started because it just resonated with my storytelling and my sexuality. Mm -hmm. It literally is the soundtrack of my sexuality. And to this day, I bump it. Can't Mm -hmm. get out of it. And so a lot of people that attended the OKC shows our first year that we did it last year, they were like, did you throw 90s hip hop in because you thought it would be cool? And I was like, no, that's just my life in my blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, can't help it. I know it's unexpected, probably for like white chick from small town, Oklahoma. But that's all we listen to. I hid my CDs, so my parents didn't. <laughs> I mean, I also listened to Smashing Pumpkins and stuff like that, but I was not right. one that listened to NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, right. and I wasn't a New Kids on the Block fan even when I was right. a kid. My mother would have died if she knew that I knew all the lyrics to Salt and Peppa <laughs> in, like, third grade. <laughs> Seriously, because I would sneak over to a friend's house and watch MTV right. in, like, second grade, and, like... The first time I saw them on screen with condoms all over their clothes, um, I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm into it. Right. There's something. I loved it. For some mm-hmm. reason, my parents didn't care. They let oh, me do what I wanted cool to do. Too. Yeah. Oh, man. That was sexual chocolate for sure. Right. Dude. So, so. Have you seen Coming to America? Because you yes. just said sexual chocolate. Just a quick yep. story. But in Tulsa, we got invited. We had some opening poets that slam nasty poetry to, uh-huh. to bass uh-huh. and drum. Anyway, we got recommended by them to go to this like open slam club that was fucking bad ass. And the owners were so cool. And anyway, the next day I was talking to the bass player and I was like, great recommendation from you guys to go to this place. And mm-hmm. he was like, oh, well, that guy, he said, I don't know if you know him, but he plays for Morris Days, the guitar plays for Morris Day in the Times. And I was like, what? I didn't know that because actually Tulsa runs deep with fucking soul music nice. and jazz. Yeah, it's like an unknown, a, mis- a little hidden secret. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but he's from LA and he moved there because he loved it so much. But he's like, but the better 
part of him that he, he that, that the bass player loves about him was that he was in sexual chocolate in the movie. And I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, we were drinking yeah. at sexual chocolates bar. Like, why didn't you tell me? Right. I would have actually gotten my camera out, which I never do. But I would have been Selfie demanding. Time. <laughs> yeah. Can you please? Yeah. Sexual chocolate. And I was oh like, he needs to name his fucking bar sexual chocolate. It's called the Juice Maker Lounge. But that's still a pretty damn good uh, name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still, I feel like sexual chocolate people would come from all around the world. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, I think uh, uh, I wrote the kind of book reading that would keep me entertained, which was the same structure that I'd seen David Sedaris and Anthony Bourdain do as far as, like, just read excerpts of stuff I'd written mm-hmm. or how I felt, bridge it to a passage out of my book, but then I wanted to segue with dancing and mm-hmm. hip hop so that it was like a sing along in your car. Yeah. That's what I wanted. And I think it, because when I started telling people about it, my friends were like, that's fucking weird. No, it was great. It oh, really was. You. I'm not just saying that. Even some ladies joined it. I went with, um, I took three friends, and mm-hmm. then some ladies joined our table that knew two of my friends there. And at the end, one woman said, that was the most interesting like book promo thing I've ever seen. Really? Yes. That is awesome. And that's what I think. Like I didn't, again, like I just, it's great because all of these side effects are positive ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could have some negative ones, but I honestly haven't really experienced any yet because people do think it's unique. And I knew I was writing something kind of unique, but I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, like I said, make something that I would want to sit through. Yeah. And that's what I did. I think it's the kind of book that so many women who are having those conversations with their girlfriends will yeah. just identify with. Yeah. But I really do think also for those women who don't have it, it's kind of the difference between we say having your bedroom door open versus your bedroom door closed. Right. So those open door women, they're going to love this just right off the bat. Those ones who are closed, I think that it's up to us with our open doors to give it to them. Right. And be like, you can so, open your door. That's why I need my business open the doors coaching. I love it. I love it so much. I just want people to feel more, like you say, empowered Uh to realize they're not the only ones. Right. Who sometimes fuck this stuff up. Right. It's so funny. The the stain story gets always an odd reaction from everybody because they think it's going to be that I shit the bed because I start (laughs) by saying that I got the booze poos. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then it moves on to no, it was a period stain. Uh-huh. And that reaction is always such a weird one. They like it, but don't. You know, they're like, ew, but okay, we've all stained the bed. Right? And or we've all started our periods in the middle of sex and, and not realized it. Right. And then right. Or for me, I just had left it on the bed. Yeah. It <laughs> been from a day before and just, yeah, I forgot yeah, like, to change whoops, the sheets sorry. and then went to fuck on them and then blamed it on him. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, you stained it. Yeah, Ew, did you, you did do it. that? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. God, I was reeling through some of my most embarrassing sex stories. And there were, there's honestly, there were so many. It was hard mm-hmm. to count. And then oh, plus, good. I was also trying to think, like, let's go back far enough to where it's not anybody recent. But Right. Yeah, God. I mean, I've got more stories. But that, I would say these were my highlights of just, like, ones that really got to me they're not even that bad so that's the thing people are like is the show real vulgar and I'm like I don't think so Mm -mm. if anything I thought that it wouldn't travel well outside of Oklahoma because it was too soft Mm. and Mm -hmm. I thought people would show up and be like okay so you talked about queefs big fucking deal (laughs) 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 but it turns out not a lot of people are talking about queefs no they're really not (laughs) they're really not 
God, I remember the, okay, so this isn't my story, but I remember the first time that I heard about queefing uh-huh. and it was a boy. I was a freshman. This boy was a sophomore and he's talking about this older boy who was a senior uh-huh. that we we're all on the track team together. And he was like, man, when Steve uh-huh. got done fucking this girl, her pussy like farted, farted so bad. And he like <laughs> did his mouth and did an imitation of it. And I was like, so I mean, if a dick shoves air up there, what else is supposed to happen right. to it? And then right. he just kind of looked at me. I'm like, I what? mean, yeah. there's nowhere for the air to go but be pushed back out. Right. It's like, couldn't she have just held it in? I was like, oh, my God. Do you hold your farts in? Right. <laughs> so like, even then, like, I, I didn't even have, like, a concept of queefing and that that's what happened. But I immediately mm-hmm. understood it. Immediately was like, you're a dick. Yeah, you're a dick. You're stupid. Yeah. And you don't deserve to get fucked now. Right. <laughs> Until you come to terms with this queefing and your dick pushing air into that pussy. Yeah, because it's your fault. That's right. You did it. That's you did right. this to me. So you better be cool with the way that I have to get it out. Like, if that means I need to excuse right. myself for a second, just... Let it all out in right. one fell swoop in the or bathroom where it sounds like, like no I blew a hole in your wall. <laughs> <laughs> right. For me, like, I swear there, that day, I think it had something to do. I'd gone swimming in the ocean and I don't know if it was like from diving down deep and like getting different air in my pussy than flying. That's uh, these are the only thing yeah, I can come also, up that with. That sometimes happen, yeah. Because we weren't fucking yet. And, mm-hmm. and my vagina, honestly, would just wouldn't quit. <laughs> So it was, it was outrageous. It was like the legend of the 18th queef. Oh my God, it was. Yeah. And so we both laughed about it, but fuck. Uh, it was at 18. That's a big deal. It is at 18. Yeah. You know? Because kids, well, because in school, we're not teaching mm-hmm. kids anything about human sexuality besides how do you prevent pregnancy? How do you right. not get an STI? What's a sperm? Mm-hmm. What's an egg? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about some of these things that right. happen during sexual experiences and how to feel about it. the emotions yeah. are left out mm-hmm. and the coaching is left out of actual sex as mm-hmm. in this is how you give a blowjob mm-hmm. and i get it that they want to talk about safety but why don't they want to talk about the rest yeah you know i don't because it's the it's this concept that you're then you're encouraging kids to do it if you give them a condom you're encouraging mm-hmm. them to have sex if you teach them about how to actually stimulate the clitoris with your tongue properly, mm-hmm. you're encouraging them to then do it. If you tell them that you need That's to make like sure you lots of lube teach them for how anal. to cook, you're encouraging them to eat. Ah, I like that one. You know? Yeah. yeah. They're going to fucking eat. Mm-hmm. They're human. They have to. They're going to fuck. And one they're day they're going to fuck. They yeah. have to. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of why we're all here. Right. You're here you know? because of sex. I'm here because of sex. And right. one day your kids are going to have sex. Yeah. Teaching them about it isn't going to encourage them to do no. it. No. It's going to enlighten them mm-hmm. and make them a lot healthier on their journey. So if health is your goal, go ahead and hit the health pyramid of like mind, body, and spirit. So I don't get that part, but I'm. The more you talk, the more I love you. Keep because seriously, mind, body, spirit, that's something that I talk about all the time. Well, and I used to work for a weight loss company, and that's what we really, you know. You have to. Yeah. That's who we are. And if you want that balance, you have to have that tripod. Mm -hmm. I uh, talk about in the book that my job in London, I lived in London for a year, and I got hired as it was a lottery-funded project for – I guess there'd been a gap in sexual education for the school system, public mm. schools, middle-aged children, because for a few years, they don't know what happened, but basically maybe like funding shortage at the schools, mm-hmm. but parents thought that the teachers were still teaching sex ed, 
but the sex ed teachers had been removed and the sex ed education had been put on math teachers and English teachers. Oh my God. So they were supposed to be splitting oh their class Lord. with like, you know, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And now this is an erection. <laughs> we're going to roll the condom down, you know. Uh, and the teachers were finding that they, A, did not feel comfortable teaching mm -hmm. that. That's not what they signed up for. And B, when they did feel comfortable teaching it, they lost cred street cred with their kids they couldn't then transition back to algebra ah okay so yeah because thinking back the the teachers in my school district that taught that mm -hmm. had like oh that's the mm -hmm. that's the parenthood teacher right she's kind of weird that one <laughs> but i mean that's she was like low job betty over there she was like 70 years old <laughs> and had some sort of condition where if you touched her she got a bruise so yeah. i don't know she was just this little frail old woman that got her right. hair done once a week oh, and no. she's up there talking about like when i did depo Vera, when i had an iud i don't really like these kinds of condoms we're like yeah, 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 no, no, no grandma no, 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 grandma grandma right yeah, she's got cobwebs it up there one thing to hear about sexuality from someone that's maybe your mom's age right. but not your grandma's or age someone that you think's hot you know, kids would take that on board I would, real quick. Yeah, Esther Perel, I would have uh -huh. totally taken sex lessons from her. But <laughs> this woman was like small and petite like Dr. Ruth, but uh -huh. less, I don't know, less matter of factual about some stuff, too anecdotal about things. Uh -huh. So it just made us be like, we don't want to know this. Right, we it don't was like, know like your sweet little grandma yeah. trying to talk to you about dicks. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. You're like, make me a PB&J. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Quit talking about fucking dicks, grandma. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I get it, and I understood that, and then I guess they had quit then, so basically mm -hmm. these teachers weren't teaching sex mm -hmm. education, and the message hadn't been sent home, so the mm -hmm. parents were still assuming it was being taught, but then the parents hadn't sent the message home because they thought they didn't need to, mm -hmm. because what kind of parents don't talk to their kids about sex? Well, it turns out most, most of, of them. Most of them, yeah. Right, so hello, two or three generations of kids who had no idea. So as a nation, the they had decided, I guess, all of um, England that they needed to step in and they were using lottery money to pay outsiders to come into the school. Wow. Mm -hmm. I was hired as one of them and I was given the most badass men in black briefcase <laughs> and it was sex and drug education. So one, and they had an actual... Because I asked, where are these things made? Because mm -hmm. they were so realistic and so loaded. And it was like foam. And each th place or toy had its own place in the foam cutout. You uh -huh. know? And one was full of drugs that looked exactly like the drugs. And the other was full of all the sex toys and all the sex things um, that were exact, actually. And I would carry them both on the tube and go rock into these schools and That's go, amazing. I know, and go and talk about these things. And it was uh, so much fun and weird. And one day I finish and these kids are like in their uniforms. You know, it looks like Harry Potter. <laughs> and there's this young, quiet redhead boy that just is lingering. So I wait for him and I wait for him. And finally he comes up and he's like, miss, can I ask you a question, please? And I said, yeah, of course. And he asked me, he said, um, are condoms supposed to hurt? 
And I said, no, they're not. And so you might have an allergy. Have you tried different types? Of yes, I've tried them all. And he starts naming them off. And I said, what about size? Mm -hmm. Have you tried different sizes? Yes, ma'am. I've tried them all, blah, blah. Miss. He kept telling me, yes, miss, I've tried them mm -hmm. all. And then finally, I said, well, explain to me what's happening and what hurts. And he said, it's all fine until I go to pull it over my balls. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, like okay, you can skip that well. stuff. <laughs> Stop yeah. right before you get to that point. Yeah. And this is the age of the internet, but maybe he just... Oh. You're just like, bless your heart. Bless your fucking ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> your sore little, little ball sack. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know. know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm often shocked. But then I have to pull myself back and go like, it's, it is not often people's fault that they don't. Know. Yes. Right. Like you're saying we live in the age of the Internet. You right. can look this shit up. Right. But if you don't really know what to Google, like. Right. I, like, I what know. was he going to put in? And most likely it would have come back like allergy mm -hmm. size. And he would not have known that he was putting it on wrong. In his head, he had to cover all of his sexual organs. Mm -hmm. So he was never even searching for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I like picturing him doing it. That, like, kept me going for a solid year. I would laugh every single <laughs> night. Though. I was like, bless you. And I'm going to picture this and laugh about this, but bless you. Oh, poor kid. Poor, poor kid. Guy. Can you oh imagine him, like, stepping into the bathroom to try to make that happen? Or trying in front of the... Probably, he probably didn't try in front of the girl. Would be, I was... Yeah. yeah. It's not like... Because she would have been like, no. Mm -mm, <laughs> no. No. Let's, let's fix that for you. <laughs> yeah. I can't do a British accent, obviously. Yeah, but. so he just thought that, yeah, that condoms hurt. Ouch. Oh. Well, thank goodness he had you. I know. Yeah. Hopefully he is, yeah, just doing it everywhere now. Wonder if he thinks about you every time he puts a <laughs> condom on. That's <laughs> <Let's> hope. <laughs> Bet he does. Bet he does. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah. So you said you got more books coming out. I do. Probably not really about bad sex stories unless maybe one day you're telling the guy's sex stories but right. what's kind of on the horizon for you yeah and I tend to have sex stories in my stories anyway because mm -hmm. it's part of my life and so even though I talk about some sexual moments in good club and like having sex overseas mm -hmm. and like your first uncircumcised dick mm. <sighs> magical isn't it uh, not for me well I mean okay it, mine was it was I mean oh, I liked yeah. it but it, I found it weird to look at I didn't like looking at it. Yeah, it was strange. It was sort of mm. aardvark like. Mm -hmm. However, yeah. It <laughs> yeah. was more like that. I, I called a friend was like, does it really feel different? Or is that just my imagination? Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, no, yeah. It, it I feels think it different. feels I different. Like, yeah. And I yeah. did like the way it felt. Mm -hmm. And they definitely enjoy it more. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you look at the, at basically just a diagram mm -hmm. of the differences in the sensation that men report and, and even their nerve endings, mm -hmm. we are doing a huge disservice to men by circumcising I them. I know. That's if so we're sad. not okay with female genital mutilation, right? Why are we okay with circumcision? I don't we're know. literally removing part of the sex organ that gives them the most intense pleasure. I know. Do you think men talk about that? I think more and more men are starting to talk about it, and I think more and more women our age are starting to talk about it with regards to not circumcising mm -hmm. their children. Mm -hmm. 
it's just yeah. a matter of I have met some guys that weren't circumcised who did it late in life mm-hmm. because they couldn't get laid in the United States because of our culture so not sad. liking it. Well, how you about know? you and I talk to the ladies right here, right, right now, and yeah. talk about like ladies? It feels different, uh-huh. and in such a good way. Mm-hmm. It looks different, but mm-hmm. you get past that. Yeah, absolutely, you get past that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's just a it's just a cultural thing. It, it, it doesn't make them they're not dirtier. No. They're, you're not going to get an infection from it. And you should be wearing a condom anyway. Right. And by the time they're erect for the condom anyway, you can't really tell that they're you uncircumcised. Cannot, you can't tell. And that's the thing. Once it's erect, it looks exactly the same. Maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more folded skin, but it's it looks like a regular dick. Mm-hmm. A, well, a regular dick. Like a, a, like a circumcised dick. The skin's just dick. a little looser. A little looser. Yeah. Easier yeah. to play with. Yes. Actually. Much easier. Oh, hand jobs are so much easier. So much easier. And they dicks. come so quick because yes. it feels so fucking uh-huh. good. <laughs> I'm a blowjob. Same with blowjobs. Although I'm a bit of a blowjob queen. So. I am too. I yeah. love blowjobs. There's this moment, you know, at the end or the day after or whatever, mm-hmm. where they're just like, God, that was a great blowjob. Best, <laughs> best blowjob ever. And it's not like I can just look at and be like, I know. <laughs> you can, though. I you're have welcome. started to. Like, I say, you're welcome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I heard say, thanks. Right. But, you know, to say, like, I know, like, very Han Solo like, it's just kind of like, I don't want them to look at me and be like, how many dicks have you sucked? <laughs> Why? I just, you know, it's because yeah. I'll just shyly look at them and be like, right. do you really? You should just know? tell them it's, it was my first one. <laughs> I've been practicing on bananas and dildos this whole time. I've just been reading Lord. about this whole time, so I'm glad you liked it. It's my first one. I've been practicing some new techniques that I learned in school, <laughs> watching some different porn. Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, may I share with you my favorite travel sex story? Please do. Okay, so. Uh, Previous job, used to do a lot of travel, went to Africa, mm-hmm. and uh, was just getting out of a marriage. So, you know, a few guys on our trip were, were young and single, my age, and we hung out a little bit, and mm-hmm. then went to Germany a couple, mm-hmm. like a year or two, a year and a half later or so. Saw another guy that was, saw that guy that was on that trip that I kind of bonded with. And there's a party midweek for all the Americans that were there. Right. And we just get wasted completely mm-hmm. completely obliterated and he's like i need some food i didn't really get to eat anything let's 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 find some food he's like does your hotel have a restaurant I'm like it not for dinner time it was just breakfast and lunch he's like mine's got one let's just get a cab and let's go there right so then we get out of the cab and we walk in and i start making a left towards the restaurant he goes we don't really need dinner do we i was like nope <laughs> we <laughs> just sure like started don't. following him i've got my backpack on that's full of like my you know my laptop my day's worth of stuff for the conference and everything i'm just like doop, doop, doop. <laughs> got this big old shitty grin on my face so i passed the front <laughs> desk like see ya <laughs> thinking how glad i was that i packed a condom in my uh uh-huh. my, my backpack uh-huh. and yeah so hit it got laid from a guy that i met in africa fuck yeah yeah did the walk of shame the next morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no idea where I was. And my phone was dead. Oh. And I'm in Germany. <laughs> so I go to the front desk and I ask for a map. I'm like, I need to get back to this hotel. Uh-huh. And so they kind of, you know, draw it out for me. I'm uh-huh. like, okay, I literally need you to tell me to turn left or right when I get right. out of here. Because otherwise I'm fucked. Right. Because I don't have a phone that can get me back in the right direction GPS wise. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to walk around with my map like this at <laughs> 6 a.m. <laughs> so I folded it up just enough to where I could put it in my sleeve of my coat. Okay, okay. And I get to every corner and pulling it out, looking and putting it back in. <laughs> and I, I got back to the hotel. Oh, see. I get inside. I do a quick shower. I throw my hair in a bun, do some quick makeup, and I sit down to breakfast, 
breakfast with my colleagues like five minutes late and they're looking at me like where have you been the fuck's with you <laughs> i was like what nothing just keep on eating and they're like mm, something's up something's up it wasn't enough to where they knew i had been gone all night right. like it wasn't like that but they suspect they suspected something, something. Mm. so get through the day i keep my mouth shut i'm i'm dying to tell somebody but i'm with three male colleagues i'm just like i'm just gonna keep it to myself just keep it to myself <laughs> but we go to dinner that night and then we're walking back and these guys who were engineers they're like it's this way back to the hotel i'm like nope it's this way <laughs> like no i'm i'm certain it's this way i'm like I am 100% <laughs> telling you it's this way. And they're like, no, it's this way. I go, okay, one of us did the walk of shame this morning right. and three of us did not. So <laughs> and they're like, we knew it. We, we fucking it. knew something happened We can you. smell the sex on right? you. Lord. Ah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you could. It was, and it was great. And yeah. I used a map to get home, fuckers. Mm -hmm. And I do know where I am. Yeah. Yeah, we're going this way. We, yeah, we got back to the hotel. Like, damn, yeah. I yeah, love yeah. that. I love sex overseas. That was my first and only, but mm -hmm. it's totally so freeing worth and it. different. Oh it is different the way that people have sex from different countries, mm -hmm. their approach to it, and their. Well, I will say, I will say, this guy's an American. Oh, okay. But just happened to meet him on our it's travels. Still good though. But yeah, although I did have sex with a guy from London who's Albanian and Italian, so he's brown. But he was here for a wedding. Mm -hmm. And when he <laughs> looked at me afterwards and said in a British accent, <clears throat> I need to wash my cock off. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> like, okay. Yes, I'll do it for you. Yeah. I think I just went and tried not to laugh. Uh, and he went in the other room and I buried my face in my pillow and just died laughing. Like, that was so hot and so hilarious all at once. It was perfect. It was everything I wanted and more. Oh, so. I love it. Yeah. I talk mm -hmm. about a girl in there that I'd met who she was British and but she was in New Zealand and she was basically just fucking her way around the world. That was her gig. Life goals. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was always like she liked the tour operators. <laughs> Cuz they are usually mm -hmm. hot. Mhm. Uh-huh. Yeah, and charismatic and, and charismatic. funny, uh -huh. all the things that you want. Yes. Mm -hmm. Ooh. So that was her her pro tip. Her, Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Actually, the one and only time that I really wanted to bang a tour operator, I was in Costa Rica, and I was like, yeah, I could make that happen, but mm -hmm. I was on my honeymoon. <laughs> I could have made that happen. happen. <laughs> well, because my now ex-husband uh, got too drunk the night before. Oh, we went yeah. on this tour of, mm -hmm. you know, driving up to a volcano and then doing some spa treatment, ziplining through the forest. He got too drunk and was puking so hard the next morning, he couldn't go. I went on our one and only excursion on our honeymoon oh. alone. Yeah, boo. You deserve to fuck Plus, we'd that only guy. had sex once that week. <laughs> so I really kind of wanted to fuck that little Costa Rica. Right? Guy. Like on the zip line. Right. <laughs> we can make this happen just like the sloths do. <laughs> yeah. I so, love it. on that note, this has been such a fun conversation. Thank you. I really enjoyed having you. I wish you all the best of luck. You know, I hope this was our, your last stop. Kansas City's the last stop on her her book tour mm -hmm. with Bad in Bed Live. But mm -hmm. I hope that you find some more tour dates. We will. Coming up. And yeah, get out it's there and do your thing. Girl. Awesome. And same to you. I wish you nothing but good luck and awesome vibes of Thank helping you. to release people out of their sexuality cage that we are locked into in the United States, mm -hmm. whether you think we are or not. We are. We are very much so. Mm -hmm. And it's so We're freeing. both doing our part. We are doing our part. And once you start talking about it, it just gets better and better and better. And you can have what you want. Mm 
Yes. But you got to communicate it. Yes. Yeah. Almost forgot one thing. (laughs) All right. So I've gotten very into tarot the last few months. Lovely. Thanks to some lovely friends who have helped me just kind of alter my energy. And Mm -hmm. I found these lovely and amazing erotic tarot cards. Mm, mm, mm. So. I can't wait. You want to cut your deck there? Cutsy wutsies. Perfect. All right. What do you got here? Ooh, four of earth. So mm-hmm. let's pull that. Isn't that a beautiful card? They I love the artwork gorgeous. on these. They're just uh, very. What is that? French. Rad. Yeah, I don't know my like terminology that goes with it, but yeah. Yeah, feels very French. If you though. could see it, it's a girl in lingerie crawling on all fours across the floor and with a group of people around her, kind of looking shocked, Ooh. but excited. This is you, basically, on your stage. So, okay, it talks about the four of earth is avidity, luxury, thrift, egoism. The uh, astrological meaning is, oh, it's the sun in Capricorn, and I'm a Capricorn. Uh, It's the need to live intensely in an ambitious manner. Wow. That's so you. It is me. Oh, what a fun card. Right? I love it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Best luck to you. Same. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And check the show notes for stuff we discussed in the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my not safe for work email list called the dirty bird. If you want more content about sex and relationships, you can support said content like my work with this podcast and other forms of media by visiting listener support with anchor FM or visit patreon.com to become one of my patrons. Again, check the show notes. I have links for you there. My theme song is original music by M Kusa until next time.